Each and every Sunday we gather to worship, but why do we worship the way that we do? I'm Rebecca Garrett-Pace, and this is The Day After Sunday, a look at the why behind the worship. Good morning, everyone. Happy two days after Sunday. Hello, Phil. Hello, day after day after Sunday again. <laughs> good, to, good to have some flexibility where we can do this, not be super stringent on our time, and glad that we had a little bit of, I'm going to say a day off. I know both of us were doing some work things yesterday, but yeah. um, at least a little bit of time to, to take a break, so that was nice. Yeah, absolutely. And if you're listening, we hope you also were able to take some time off yesterday, and if not, um, we hope you worshiped with us on Sunday and found maybe some quiet center, some solace uh, in worship. And totally. you can catch up with everything that we're doing. So we've been online only um, for the past two Sundays, and we will be online only for the next couple. So we really encourage you to um, make the time to join us each Sunday on wrumc.org slash live. Um, as well as Facebook and YouTube, and Ooh, we should talk about that. We could, yeah, we could talk about that. <laughs> Had a little bit of technical difficulty yesterday. At least it froze on my computer. Did it freeze on yours, Phil? It did. Yeah. I, so while I'm, we're up there, I'm, I have it on my laptop, and I'm kind of trying to review things and make sure everything's you know going smoothly and such. And and sure enough, the the I don't know if it was just the Wi-Fi at the church or what, but the Facebook even glitched a couple times, and then mm-hmm. the slash live glitched a few times. But I felt like YouTube held held fine. So I don't know. I'm okay, not sure good. what the the issues were exactly, but but yeah. So we're we're also streaming now on our website, which is new as of two weeks ago. Um, it's it's hopefully where we're going to start driving everybody toward, and I've said it a couple times now, but you know I really I really encourage people to engage in the chat each time whenever yeah. we're worshiping together, just because yeah. it's our our chance to stay connected, especially when we're virtual only. Um, you know we don't have those interactive opportunities like we get on a Sunday morning when we're in person. So uh, the chat is kind of our space to to catch up and say hi and and comment and be you know um, it's actually a little bit different than on a Sunday morning because there's there's a lot of chat that happens throughout the service as well as opposed yeah. to just before and after the service, which and I so, really like. I think that's such a great uh, aspect of online worship. Yeah, I know it's been a little bit of an adaptation for for some people that like well when you're in church you don't like comment on the sermon or whatever. you know it's almost like an amen section though you know like there's yeah. just like a a good piece um i don't know it a little bit of mystery science 2000 kind of aspect too right where like you get to have kind of commentary on the um the service and again just and have more connection points and really that's you know i'll, I'll drive this home over and over again that's that's what this is so important to me is that we remain connected and so mm-hmm. i think chat gives us that opportunity to do that and so we have chat on our website there's clearly there's chat on facebook as well there is chat on youtube not many people use it because most people i think on youtube are on their tv yeah um so not a lot of folks use i will give you a hack though here's your uh, the why behind the worship if you are watching on a tv you can also pull up either facebook or um the the website and you can chat on your phone while having a better viewing experience on your TV. So there you go. Yeah, as long as you Maybe mute it, because that would be weird. And that's right. Don't do the double. Yeah, yeah. that's not a good thing. Because yeah. they're not always synced. Facebook is sometimes that's like right. one, one second behind for some reason, whatever that means. Um, yep. But yeah, you know what else I like about online chat is, um, I know I'm not alone in this. I'm not very good with names. And so when you chat online you can see people's names right beside their comments um which is really helpful to me like it's just i 
you know, I find it helpful to say like, okay, I know this person. And if I saw them in person at church, I would say like, oh, hey, how you doing? And I would know who they are. But it's just helpful to have that little reminder of like, oh, yeah, that's their name, you know, and kind of pull up that extra piece of connection. Um, I'm also reminded this was in 2020. And I have no idea which Sunday it was, but it just made me chuckle so much because we were we were going uh, online only in 2020, obviously. And um, <laughs> Justin Hancock, who's a uh, ordained deacon, he's a big part of our community. He actually commented, um, and it came through as a notification on Mitchell's watch, and he got it as he was preaching real time, and he commented on it. And so <laughs> that's something you don't get <laughs> in live only worship for sure. That's right. Yeah, real time <laughs> conversations back and forth. It's a thing. Yeah. That's funny. So, yeah. Well, yesterday was um, what we call one-offs. We don't really, you know, we don't have very many of these throughout the year, um, but we do have a few Sundays where they're not in any particular series. And so we get a chance to um, approach worship from a little bit of a different direction. So sometimes we lean on the lectionary readings, and then sometimes we um, we look and see where are we going next, and is there anything that we need to use this Sunday to sort of introduce. Um, so yesterday, Phil, you preached, and you were in the Gospel of John. I, I um, did. <laughs> you did preach. I did yes. preach. So talk, just... to me, talk to me about the, the Gospel of John text. What spoke to you about it? You know, that process of preparing a sermon in this kind of in-between yeah. time. Yeah, so... It was kind of when we say one-off, like this was a one-off of all one-offs. Like we were, we were, you know, we stuck to the kind of like liturgical calendar, and then this coming Sunday we launch, you know, real big into the unfold, which we talked about a little bit last week. But uh, unfold's going to be a series. It really kind of carries. I say series, like an, a series of series. It's going to carry us throughout the whole year, and so. Um, I wasn't really trying to tie it together a whole lot, but at the same time, as we reflected on last week. Um, you know, there was this this aspect of like, uh, here we are now in this uh, opportunity to talk about a wedding because that was a lectionary text, the wedding at Cana. Um, it turns out I do a lot of weddings, and so it fits really well with kind of my my general ministry and things that I'm, I'm relating to and uh, used to. And then, and then as I'm, I started pondering it more, like like we're really entering into this space together of of kind of a covenantal agreement. Like this this is going to be a long series, and so um, I know I, I said this last week on the podcast too, but like if we covenant to do this together, then there's going to be a really good opportunity. And I didn't, I didn't focus on that a whole lot in my my sermon. It was kind of more of the, the postscript almost of the sermon. But um, it was in the back of my mind that like there's something you know special about a covenant relationship that people enter into through marriage. Uh, at the same time, I just love the text, uh, and I honestly had never done a real deep dive on the wedding at Cana in John chapter two. Uh, so that was really fun. It was fun to go back and look at it. And I know I'm, I'm showing how much of a nerd I am to say how fun it is to go back and do a deep dive on John chapter two, but it's a really interesting text. Um, it, it's the first sign, like John doesn't use the word miracle, John uses the word sign. And I alluded to this in this, I mean, I said that like, it's called signs because signs point to something that's being revealed as opposed to the miracle in and of itself. Um, it's not that like, sure. hey, look, I'm a magician doing like really cool things. Uh, it's more of a, this sign reveals something much greater. Uh, and so there's seven signs in the Gospel of John, and um, and this is the first one. And it's just a really interesting thing that the first sign that we get um, 
is not something that we would probably think of, right? Like you would think the, the feeding of the 5,000 would be something that would be a really great first sign because it's showing that like God cares a whole lot about people who suffer through hunger. Mm-hmm. Um, and as opposed to that, it's at an extravagant party and, and here all of a sudden Jesus turns water into wine so that the party can continue and then there's not <laughs> shame brought upon the family. It's just a really strange and kind of weird story and yet there's just something really beautiful about it. Yeah. When you said... Um, you, how many weddings have you done? Weddings and funerals? What, what are your counts right now? I think it's like 67 to five, 67 weddings and five funerals. Okay. I wish someone had told me at the beginning of my ministry, uh, 14 years ago to keep a tab on how many like funerals and memorial services and weddings that I do, because you and Mitchell both have a count going and I don't, I mean, I just, I started, so I started while I was in college doing music mm-hmm. ministry and, um, but I got to say, I if I had to choose, I think I find funerals and memorial services uh, more meaningful and I won't say fun to be a part of, but more meaningful to be a part sure. of than weddings. Um, and I know you said the opposite. And maybe most people would agree with you. I mean, I would say probably if you just went up to somebody on the street and said, which, which one's more fun, a wedding or a funeral? Like, duh. But I, for some reason, I, I appreciated the perspective that you brought, you know, and focusing on the joy and the fun and the dancing, um, because to me, weddings are just stressful. Um, there's so well, much are. pressure. <laughs> they are stressful. Um, and I, 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 my guess is that's why most of my colleagues would agree too, right? Is that like, not that they do funerals or memorials that are just rote. I don't think that's the thing, right? No, but not at all. There is kind of a script that you go off of on a funeral. Whereas I, I'm, I'm pretty intentional and I mentioned this a little bit, but like I I work pretty hard to like really craft a wedding around a couple. And so I tell them like my job is to make it a, you know, a holy experience, right? Make it worshipful. But what I want from them is to them to really share who they are as a couple and what like faith really means to them so that then we can craft a service around the two of them that reflects like, I don't want them to stand up there and like have something that's like super traditional and like, if, if that's not who they are, you know, mm-hmm. or like, let's not try to force a bunch of music pieces in here if music doesn't really matter that much to you. Or like, if you're really musical, then like, yeah, let's figure out how to put two or three songs in the service as well. So <laughs> I, I really try to work hard to figure out how does this best represent the couple. And and I think you can do that in funerals too. Don't get me wrong. Absolutely. Um, I think, yeah. I think there's, there's ways in, in, I mean, we've all seen, I also just think the bar is pretty low with weddings because people come up to me all the time afterwards. Like, <laughs> oh, it was just so personal. You must just have <laughs> known them forever. And I'm like, well, Sometimes I do, but I try to do the work to make sure that I do know them before. And I tell couples too, right? Like this, it really is a ministry in and of itself for me because like I try to spend the time with them before the wedding, but then I Mm -hmm. always tell them like, this isn't just a, like, I'm going to come in and do your ceremony and then we're done. Like, and, and, and it came up, I did a wedding a year and a half ago and, um, the bride was really having some issues. She had changed jobs and, you know, we'd like, we'd, you know, like we comment on each other's social media, stuff like that, but like, we're not like hanging out like regularly Mm -hmm. or whatever. But she said, like, can we go grab coffee? I really feel like I took this job and it's really what like God wanted me to do. And I just don't feel like it's the, been the right move for me. And so like we went and got coffee and talked through like it's allowed me to remain to be a minister to people who, you know, they're not even a part of the community of White Rock. Mm-hmm. But she is now, like she comes to Bible study now, you know? And that's yeah. because like we went and got you know, so there's just really cool pieces that the ministry continues um beyond just the ceremony. And so like they're entering into a covenant and at the same time, like 
I feel like I get to be a part of that covenant continually and it continues on. Yeah. That's really cool that you say that too. Um, at the end of this week, uh, Jeff and I are celebrating five years of being married and cheers. um, Thank you so much. Uh, but something that we, that I try to do every anniversary is to reach out to, um, uh, our pastor friend who officiated. So we had, um, Mitchell officiate, part of it. And we had a pastor friend that is really close to Jeff, um, officiate part of it. And so obviously I say Mitchell five out of every seven days, but, um, (laughs) we don't get a chance to see Jen that much. And so every year on our anniversary, I try to make it a point to say like, Hey, you know, thinking about what, what a beautiful gift you gave to us when you presided. And, um, that's a really neat connection point Mm -hmm. to keep her in our lives. Um, but yeah, I really, I like that. And I, you know, we talked about this, you, you talked about it actually in worship. Um, and we then chatted about it a bit after worship yesterday. The, the energy was, let's say a little bit, a little bit yo-yoing, a little bit, um, that's a good way to put it. Pendulum swing ish. Um, through, I think through no fault of anybody in particular, it was just one of those Sundays, right? Where like, it was a holiday weekend, so we didn't know if numbers would be down, whether we were in person or online. We sort of had already right. planned for a little bit of a smaller crowd, which tends to decrease the energy just a little bit. Um, but then we had, you know, this very joyous text. Um, and then we had the um, the hostage situation at the temple the day before. And so we were all kind of like holding that and we, we prayed through that. And then the hymns, too, were a little bit, um, first hymn was up, second hymn was, like, come and find the quiet center, third Mm -hmm. hymn was um, giallo, and so people, I think, (laughs) maybe, uh, I don't know how to say this, got a little bit of whiplash accidentally (laughs) from worship. (laughs) I usually try to be more, uh, I, I usually try for a bigger flow than we achieved yesterday, but... For whatever for whatever reason that didn't happen, and I think I hope people were able to kind of hold those two in tension. Well, I think we we did a good job of calling it out, right? That we are complex human beings who have the ability to hold both joy and sorrow within our own beings at the same time, and that's the sometimes it's it is confusing and confounding, and it you know messes with our head a little bit. But at the same time, that's just kind of the reality of, of who we are as creatures. And so um, I, I think you do a really good job of keeping our flow pretty well typically yesterday like you don't you, there's no way you plan for a you know a hostage situation in your community right. the day before worship right. so um, you have to pivot and and address yeah. what needs to be addressed yeah and it, and it just you know i think it i think it worked i don't you know obviously we're online and it's hard to you can't really read the room <laughs> um so that, but you can read tricky. the comments but um <laughs> you can read the comments there you go yeah <laughs> Which, interestingly, there weren't as many comments yesterday either. Not right. like it was down a whole bunch, um, right. but the comments were down a little bit. Um, so, I don't know. Yeah, it's a, it, was a, it was a little bit of a strange Sunday, but we're living in a pretty strange world right now. So. That's true. That's true. And I hope that... Um, so, I wrote the prayers uh, early last week. I think Monday yeah. or Tuesday last week. And um, I love weaving prayers into a a song and we do that in a variety of ways um yesterday's was a a bit more of a like a traditional hymn but we've also done it with more contemporary things um one of the ones that you know people really love at white rock is when the folk band um leads the sarin song or sarin i never know how to say their name uh either yeah on my knees so you know Mm -hmm. it's that's very 
contemporary and folky sounding, and um, sometimes we do it with a Tizé song. So it's a format that we're used to, but I hope that every time we do it, it feels a little bit new and fresh, just the way that we kind of weave the music and the prayer together. I was glad you brought it up because, you know, we were just, we're, ch- we're running Scales and Crews, right? Like we're just yeah. trying to do a few of us in, in worship to, to keep, in case there is a, an exposure, it's not taking the whole staff down. Right. And so we talked about like, do we pre-record a, a prayer? Like, do we, you know, like how do mm-hmm. we, and when you said like, I think I'm going to try to weave, I was like, okay, I, I'm glad that you brought it up because I wasn't sure how it would translate online, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it, I think it translated great. Yeah. Like I thought it was a beautiful um, mixing of the music and the prayer. And, and as you said, right, like you introduced it saying like these are always intertwined. Mm-hmm. They so. are for sure. And if we're, if we're staying on this topic of like how do we interweave not just different feelings and emotions but different styles, I think yesterday mm-hmm. was a very representative of that too because we had um, a global song stream and we had a traditional hymnody and then um, – Farron's offertory was Philip Glass, uh, which just was stunning. I love Philip Glass. I don't know if you're familiar with his work at all. I am not, but I was enamored by it. It was fantastic. I've never heard the name Philip Glass, I don't think. There's, no. I was going to say, there's a a bunch of glass buildings where I went to university, like my my undergrad, but I don't think it's the same glass, because I think it was the business school actually was the... I don't think it was in the arts. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Philip Glass is um, still alive, I'm pretty sure. Let me do a quick Google. Yeah, he's still alive. Um, and he is one of the most influential 20th century composers, um, okay. especially like late 20th century. And so what makes him so appealing to me is that he works in this like minimalist um style so the from from a musical perspective and i'll try to break this down if you're if you don't speak music <laughs> um so minimalism is just what it sounds like right we, we can have minimalism in our lives when we mm-hmm. get rid of our stuff and we have just like no more dishes than the dishes that you need no more clothes than the clothes that you need so the same yeah. concept sort of applies to minimalism and music um he was sort of the counter to the early 20th century music, which was incredibly dissonant and had it had like what are called cluster chords, which means basically if you take your fist and slam it down on the piano, that was early 20th century music. Um, oh gosh. Just very, okay. very dissonant, like never leave out a note that you could play, even if you're playing at the same time of something else that doesn't sound good with it. And you can obviously hear my preferences <laughs> in that too. Um, but yeah. Philip Glass was the answer to this or the counter to this because he took music and minimalized it. And so um, what you heard yesterday in Farron's Offertory was actually very, very few different chords or notes. Um, you stay on that same chord progression over and over and over and you just fill in with these flowing notes. Um, there are a lot of notes, but they're very minimalist in structure. Um, and so to me, it's really cool because it all, it almost moves me into a place of like meditation or chant. Um, so, I mean, maybe we can kind of clip that out and, and post it on social later this week so people can listen to it if they didn't get a chance to, but it's, um, he brought it back then as the postlude, um, so you got to hear you got to hear it again. But I just, whew, I love it. Yeah, I mean, sitting next to him as he was playing, like it, I thought, 
there's just a lot going on over there, you know? Like, Because mm-hmm. whenever you said minimalism, I didn't think that at first because it felt like it was really like a whole lot going on. Mm-hmm. But but hearing you describe it that way makes a lot more sense. Yeah, it's minimalist in structure. Um, mm-hmm. and, and like I said, it allows you to kind of like experience the music instead of simply hearing it. Oh, um, uh, yeah, that's good. Which is just a gift, I think. I think we are very, very sure. blessed to have Farron um, who can play gospel and traditional and classical and minimalist you know it's really neat yeah that's awesome that's really cool um i was trying to think through other things in the service and i know that we're doing a little bit of stripped down services in the midst of this um Mm -hmm. i will i'll just go ahead and reiterate i love that um we continue to bring in other voices even though they're you know pre-recorded i think Mm -hmm. that's we had done that throughout the the pandemic too whenever we were fully virtual before and i just love that um, we still get to have a voice of our community in worship, even if it's a pre-recorded like that. I think it's really helpful. And then I, I did, I did enjoy Mitchell's children's time. <laughs> yeah, that. Um, <laughs> as someone who doesn't drink, I <laughs> totally. I, I was like, mm, I don't know that I would call wine equal to birthday cake in my eyes, but <laughs> I, I see what you're going toward, and I definitely liked the analogy of, you know you inherently know something is unfair, right? And if someone doesn't get a piece of birthday cake because there's not enough, from an early age, you inherently know that that's not okay. And you want, like you're moved to share with them. Um, So I just, I liked that connection and it actually brought up a really interesting memory for me. Um, Hmm. When I was little, um, mid-elementary, so when I was young, I was having a birthday party and I wanted to invite just a small group of our friend of my friends to come over to our house and there was a uh, a person in my class that I really liked. I was friends with them, uh, but they had a friend that I really didn't like and I felt like they were mean and they like sometimes bullied me a little bit. Um and then we well, maybe not bullied, but they we just we didn't click. We weren't she wasn't very nice. And so I told my mom, I was like, well, I want to invite my friend, but I don't want to invite their friend. And she said, well, let's think about it from their perspective. Like, you know, we we know that this person has had a hard life and uh, that they don't have very many friends. And so how would you feel? You know, would you want to be invited? Would you want to be left out? And I was like, Ugh, mom, okay, fine. Mom. <laughs> and so the irony of that is that I did invite both the person that I wanted to invite and their friend. Um, the person that I wanted to invite couldn't come, but the friend could. And so here I was left with this situation of like feeling grumpy, like, why do I have to invite this person to my birthday party? I don't like them. Um, but I just remember that lesson of like, it's it's not hurting me to invite them. You know, we have enough cake. <laughs> why not invite somebody who maybe has never experienced a group of people who like want to celebrate and want to be nice to each other. Um, so I, I just that. hadn't thought of that in a long time. And I was like, number one, ugh, mom trying to make me all moral and stuff. But number two, Freaking mom, come right. on. <laughs> um, it was a gift. I mean, it was a blessing. And I hope that that person could feel the, the kindness, even if I didn't, you know, originally want to share it, that I got over myself and I was able to kind of extend that table. Yeah, I, I I love that he went to birthday cake. I think it was a really good way to to take it down to to the children to understand it in that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will say like, 
preaching on wine and drunkenness and almost feeling like it's like Jesus is like blessing it, you know, was it's really interesting mm-hmm. because um, one, I feel like that's not what you usually hear in sermons. Mm-hmm. Uh, two, because I do know that we have a, a really important recovery ministry at White Rock. And so figuring out a way to speak that to either people like yourself who just don't drink or people who um, in, like feel like they can't drink because of addiction issues. Um, mm-hmm. what, I mean, whatever the case may be, um, it's just a really interesting thing to walk the line of that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so as I was working through it, like you asked at the beginning about like the, the preparation part of it, as I was working through and I was really loving like where my sermon was going and like joy and celebration and dancing and da 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 And then I realized like, oh, well, I have to add this piece to it. You mm-hmm. know, like if I don't mention something in my sermon about like, you know, God's here for the party, but it's not just God's here for the party through the wine, right? Like mm-hmm. God's here for the party regardless of, of the wine. It's just in the, the context of first century Palestine, whenever they were having a wedding, the wine was a big part of the wedding. And, um, you know, we can't change that, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, but we can call to attention that like you can be a big part of the party, whether or not you're drinking, you know, you know like that's not what the, the sure. catalyst is, right? Sure. No matter what. So, and you know, we also acknowledge our Wesleyan heritage, right? That we, yeah. we use grape juice at the table instead of wine. And one of the reasons for that is, um, that all may be welcome that's without, right. without having to, you know, pit a sacrament over and against um, an addiction or a struggle. And so that's not the only reason we use grape juice. We can get into that some other time. But, um, I mean, that is important, right, that we, in the Book of Discipline, you know, it says we use grape juice. We are aware of these struggles that people have um, with with wine or with alcohol. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's important that we say that. Yeah, if you didn't know, you actually cannot have alcohol on the premises of any United Methodist Church. Right. Which is really interesting. Right. Yeah, uh, who 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 was it? One of our professors in seminary, uh, UM History. Um, why can't I think of his name off the top of my head? Anyway, said that like the you know that was a temperance movement, right? Like they that mm-hmm. was like the the United Methodist gift to the world. Like we were saving people through the <laughs> temperance movement, yeah. and then when it was overturned, it was like the whole world was just coming to an end because we thought that we'd worked so hard to to really get this abolished, essentially, and now mm. people could drink. legally again and like it was all gonna go to hell in a (laughs) handbasket yeah and i mean this kind of ties into what you were saying too about the the power of of female voices um Mm. that prohibition and temperance were in large part driven by uh women because their husbands would use up all of their income on wine and beer and liquor and not support their family and women did not have the means at that time to support their family. And so, uh, it was not just being a killjoy or trying to say like, you're not allowed to have fun. It was, it was the voices of these women saying, we know that this is one of the keys to a thriving society. Um, so I loved that you brought that in with, you know, Martin Luther King and the power of women's voices and the mother of Jesus. I always get uncomfortable when people (laughs) read the John two woman, like, That's not, I'm sure that's not how Jesus said it. <laughs> my, my mom called me afterwards and she was like, I'm really glad you brought attention to that. She, my aunt was listening to it, worshiping with us as well. And she said like, they both had a conversation afterwards and were like, as soon as he read that, I thought mm-hmm. like, gosh, that's such a weird, like, why would Jesus say woman, you know? Mm-hmm. And I even toned it down, right? When I was, when we were <laughs> before worship, I, I was a little <laughs> more harsh with the way I read it. But you're right. I don't think it comes across like woman, like we think right, of now. But right. 
um, it, it almost felt like kind of almost two separate sermons in, in some instances, you know, but I felt like I could not address it. Like it just seemed like both things were, were really calling my attention and, and I try to pay attention, right? Like, where is, mm-hmm. where do I feel like the spirit's leading me? And, and sometimes it, it's almost like two different sermons trying to weave together. But this, I know this, those were almost very separate. Um, they just didn't, I didn't tie together as much as I wanted them to, but you know, sometimes. It's a microcosm of the, of the worship service. Right? There you go. It was yo-yoing again. Yeah. Very, very disparate things that all need to be addressed. And so yep. then we just have yep. to hope and pray that the Holy Spirit will do her weaving um, totally. and make a, make a tapestry, you know, patchwork quilt. <laughs> Absolutely. So. That's good. Yeah. I thought it was a, a lo- I mean, again, a lovely Sunday and I know it's not where we want to be at this point given all things considered, but um, I'm really grateful that we get to continue to have worship together and, and that we can continue to do it live and we have people in the chat that we can connect with. And so grateful for you and the continued work you do to, to make these services um, really special. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you, Phil, for joining me and um, we will see all of you, uh, so to speak. You'll see us. We won't see you um, as we kick off our Unfold year-long series. And so we invite you to join us, and we're really excited. Yeah, if you you didn't catch it last week, when we say year-long, like we said, it's going to kind of be chapters. And so Mm -hmm. we'll do these next two weeks, which will be online again. We'll be all online for the next two weeks in worship. Um, will be our kind of prologue, you know, like the beginning of the story or the kind of the story before the story. And we'll do some... Uh, in general work on storytelling and a little bit of that aspects. And then in uh, three weeks from this past Sunday, uh, we'll we'll really kick off with chapter one and it's going to be kind of about the, the nature and character of God. And so uh, I don't, I'm, I'm excited. I think this is going to be really cool. Hopefully uh, we'll have journals that are going to be available. And so we're going to put some in the mail. And if you don't, if you don't receive one, shoot us an email, let us know. Again, you can always email us at worship at org with your questions about the why behind the worship. Or if you want one of these journals and, and didn't get one, let us know. We'd be happy to send you one. Uh, it's going to be your kind of companion piece throughout the whole um, year long aspect of this. And so we've, yeah. We've done it. Uh, it's 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 got places for you to take notes, and it's going to have some questions, and we'll have some blogs that are going to go along with it, and different resources. We'll have a resource page on our website that you can go to and, and find more materials and stuff. So, so we do. We hope that you'll engage with it. It's going to be a really cool opportunity. Yeah, we're looking forward to it. Yep. All right. Well, thanks everyone, and we will see you next week. The day after Sunday is a production of White Rock Media Network. Join us next week for another look at the.